0: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
2: Welcome to See Also. I'm Kate Jinks, a film programmer,
3: writer, and critic. And I'm Brodie Lancaster, a pop culture critic and author. And Kate and I have finally decided to take our pop culture check-ins out of the DMs and texts for this regular dispatch.
2: So in each episode, we're going to be chatting about what we're watching, listening to, thinking about, purchasing, that kind of thing. But we're going to be offering matching recommendations. So it's like a Connect the dots of pop culture.
3: Yeah, it's like further reading, but the homework is optional.
2: I mean, is it optional?
3: No, I was going to say optional, but encouraged. Encouraged. Uh, Recommended
2: reading, perhaps.
3: you get bonus points. For our debut episode, we thought it would be the perfect time to talk about another debut from a fellow iconic young female artist, a peer, if you will, <laughs> who's putting her work out into the world, changing lives. That person is Julie, no last name, no last name, from Joanna Hogg's film,
2: The Souvenir Part 2. Oh, God. I mean, is there any better way to start our first episode than <laughs> something I am truly ridiculously obsessed with? I mean, we've talked a lot about how to start this. Like, what is this podcast about? What does the world need in a podcast? What's I- the
3: thing we can talk about that tells everyone
2: exactly what we're both so into <laughs> yeah and it's, and it's like joanna hoggs <laughs> the souvenir one and two a devastating set of film
3: what do you call i was about to say trilogy what do you call two films like a,
2: it's not a diptych of films is it
3: it's a diptych of films <laughs> the souvenir and the souvenir part two which mm-hmm. is just kind of trickling into australian cinemas i just saw it on the weekend yeah
2: and you just recently watched her first film which is The reason behind making Souvenir 1 and Souvenir 2. I guess we should say what they are. Yeah, how they all fit together. So Joanna Hogg is this, you know, iconic British filmmaker. She's only released five features. Um, Her first film came out in 2007. She was a huge Derek Jarman fan and saw some of his early Super 8s and approached him at a patisserie in Soho in London when she was 18 and he ended up giving her he was he was interested in what she had to say and very impressed and he gave her a Super 8 camera and uh, she kind of went from there. Oh my god! Yeah. So this is like
3: that. This is her origin story. Is like a little patisserie. <laughs> a little
2: patisserie. And is
3: that the Tilda connection as well? Is that like the origins of that?
2: Well, no, actually, she went to boarding school with Tilda Swinton. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> didn't we all? Right. So yeah. So they went to boarding school together, um, and uh, stayed very good friends. And Tilda appears in first film Caprice, which is the short film she made. Um, at college mm-hmm. and um, which uh, is the kind of the back the making of that short film her student film like major student film is the backbone of the souvenirs part one and two mm-hmm. um, which are both standalone films in their own right but it's about this girl julie loosely not so loosely based on joanna hog uh, going to film school and um, i guess the personal
3: connection that people might be interested in too is that people? Who's people? Who's interested in the fact that Joanna Hogg is the godmother of Tilda Swinton's daughter, who is a non-professional actress who she cast like two weeks before the film started shooting? Because what's the story? She, She didn't want to cast an actress who had like a selfie face, who like knew what she looked like on camera. So she cast her goddaughter, who I like to imagine was just like Living her life in the Highlands with Tilda and the dogs.
2: That's. I mean, I wish I was living that life myself. Anna Swinton Byrne is plays Julie. She's incredible. Tilda plays her real mum in mm. the film. It's just divine.
3: It's really hard to to kind of describe what the souvenir
2: does to you without spoiling so much of it. There are two parts of the story. If you read anything about these two films, it's not really a spoiler. Yeah. It's based on a very formative romance that Joanna Hogg had.
3: Then the brilliant part is that you watch her experience this relationship in The Souvenir, and then in The Souvenir Part 2, you watch Julie make her film that is The Souvenir. Yes. Which is...
2: Yeah, so in in The (laughs) Souvenir Part 1, she's trying to... Work out what she's doing for her student film. Yeah. And then in The Souvenir Part 2, she's making her student film based on what happens in The Souvenir Part 1, which ends up being Caprice, which was Joanna Hogg's f- student film, <laughs> but they're all very different. So yes. the lines are just blurred absolutely everywhere, which is yes. what I you know, think is so fantastic about these, these films, um, that she's mined her own life so much, but... Yeah. It's quite self-reflexive and interrogates exactly what was going on and what she was trying to do. And and we must say that she comes from a Joanna Hogg, a filmmaker, comes from an extremely privileged life. Yeah. And so does the character of yes. Julie in this in this film. Yes. And she starts out really wanting to make this working class documentary um about like people who work at the docks and yeah. you know and she's the, the people at the at the school ask her like why would you make this?
3: It's the guy who eventually becomes her boyfriend, right? Is it Anthony who says like why are you the person to tell this story? Or maybe yeah. that's what happened in real life. I was reading I've been reading a lot of Hog Content <laughs> this week, Hog Hive Assemble. I know. I like By to the way, call myself a hoghead. You're a hoghead. I'm part of the Hog Hive, um, <laughs> but we're one and the same. And I like. I kind of came to the souvenir completely contextless. um I was just one day had kind of trailers rolling in the background to just like see what movies were coming out or out, and it was playing just through a bunch of A24 and related content and I saw the souvenir and it looked so stylish and I had never literally never heard of it never heard a whisper about it and then when I watched it I started asking people in my life if they knew about it and every single person was like I'm fucking obsessed with Joanna Hogg (laughs) what are you talking about so it really did feel like I was in on like a little secret then yeah and now of course I know not a secret very famous
2: (laughs) there's this great GQ article that came out with The Souvenir Part 2 about the wardrobing of the mm. films um, and a lot of it is straight from Hogg's wardrobe and Tilda Swinton's wardrobe. Um, amazing that they've kept all these pieces from that particular time period. But there was a line in it that, that was – judging by the movie snob contingent that hasn't stopped discussing it about the souvenir (laughs) and I I that's me I I read that and I was like oh god I'm seen and in a bad way rude but um I became really oddly obsessed um in a way that I don't do that much anymore Mm. um with this film I went to London and um I went to the Wallace collection the gallery where the painting the souvenir because it's The name, the Souvenir, is from a painting by um, Fragonard. It's a French painting from 1776, um, and it hangs in the Wallace Collection, which is a very beautiful gallery. And the Souvenir Part 1 had just come out in the UK. Like, it was out of festival season and was in cinemas. And I thought, oh, my God, this place is going to be. It's going to be like the
3: Mona Lisa.
2: Jam. Buzzing up. with people, oh my God, yes, phones absolutely. everywhere. Absolutely. I yeah. thought, I'm never going to get to this piece. Like, I really, like, I got there really early. You wanted to have your Julie moment. I needed to see this painting and um, I couldn't find the thing. Like, I could not find it. And I thought oh, I can't ask a, like a person working here because that would be so embarrassing. It <laughs> <becomes> so
3: basic. <laughs> and I kept
2: seeing like little tour groups, and I was like, oh, I'll just follow them, and they'll be on the way their way to the souvenir. They've got tours going. Uh, no, none of those people were there to see it. And uh, I eventually went downstairs, and the people working there were like, oh yeah that's somewhere and then pulled out a map and ended up having to find it that way um it's very small painting anyway it was very exciting and I bought out the gift shop in the cards of the souvenirs I thought everyone will be obsessed with the souvenir so I'll give everyone these (laughs) cards and then of course it comes out no one sees it it doesn't get a proper release in Australia at all um not for lack of trying I might add um but And again, no one, no one wanted those. And it was just one of those moments where it was like the things that you, uh, that (laughs) I become obsessed with that I think this will sell out. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah, They often
3: don't and you're just left as the person like in a trench coat holding it open <laughs> filled with like souvenir the painting <laughs> yeah. postcards standing outside of like Cinema Nova being like you guys want some merch. Yeah, that is me. It's but anyway, if anyone wants some merch, get in touch. I would really love one actually, and I know some members of the Hog Hive, I'm sure <laughs> will put their hands up for one. One of the things that the suit watching the Souvenir part 2 made me think of in a very um you know, high, low
2: kind of way. Mm. Which I guess is what we're very much about. And the reason why we're doing this podcast as well, because our interests... Yeah, it's um, not going to all be about like
3: very cool Derek Jarman (laughs) mentored (laughs) British filmmakers. Um, But the thing it made me think of was Scream (laughs) 2. Okay. And how you're watching... Take me through it. You're watching the movie about the events of the last Mm. movie that you saw. And then by the time you watch... For example, Scream 5, which I just Mm -hmm. endured... you're watching a movie about all the sequels that uh, come out of it and kind of bastardize the original. So who knows what the Hog Hive will do with this source material.
2: Oh, I love this. Maybe
3: there'll be like a chainsaw spin off or something. Oh,
2: my God, I love this. <laughs> we can only hope. We can only hope. Um, So that's The Souvenir Part 1 and 2 plus Caprice, which is sort of floating around on the internet, i got to say. But The Souvenir Part 2 is in cinemas in Australia, limited limited cinemas um one thing it reminded me of is I mean I, I don't think that this is a great topic for our first podcast let me put it out there but it, like it very much exists in this filmic version of auto fiction mm-hmm. um and one thing that I've been really loving lately is the newsletters that Sheila Hetty is doing for the New York Times Sheila Hetty is a writer novelist who it always gets lumped in this autofiction category. And I think that yeah. this is like a bigger topic for another podcast. Yeah. But yeah, she gets lumped in with this genre. A lot of people who are really despise the genre name. But anyway, Sheila Hetty has been doing these incredible newsletters based on her own diaries. Very Jonah mm-hmm. Hogg. Um, she started going through her diaries from I think 2010 and the decade before it. She put it all into a word doc And then has alphabetized by sentence. And so the New York Times is releasing diary entries, but they're alphabetical. So you'll get like, I think it's being done in 10 parts or so. So you'll get like A, B, C, and it's all of the sentences that started with A. Do you have
3: any concept of when... They were like, this one's 2010. No.
2: So, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess it's done in, I guess you can work it out by the timeline of when they're included, Uh but I think it's just fully alphabetical. Yeah. Um, but there is so there are just so many repetitive things in there. But really, you know, like her experiencing these particular emotions are getting really mad about certain situations over and over and over again. Oh, wow. that's really great. It's like a free newsletter you can sign up to with the New York Times. Oh, my God. Amazing. We'll link to it in our show notes. Yeah, you can find a bunch of links in our show notes.
3: Um, one yep, of them you know. is to a profile on Tilda Swinton. <laughs>
2: I know about how she's... Thinking of becoming like a palliative care person. This was like an
3: anti-profile. Like, yeah, she doesn't really do interviews. Yeah,
2: they mention it, and as
3: I was reading the article, I realised I don't know fucking anything about Tilda Swinton. Love her movies. Who is Tilda Swinton? Love her, but who is she? Because they mention her partner, who I had no, you know, had never thought to Google tilda swinton partner and when Even i when did it was like
2: all about how she had two men in her life
3: yeah and when i did google him i was blessed with beautiful photos of the two of them mm, they're pretty good. um but yeah she she is considering post covid post having covid and being stuck at home but also kind of being in this like community of people around the lock
2: Can you imagine Tilda Swinton (laughs) looking after you in your dying days? I kind of can. Wheeling the jolly trolley past you, checking if you want a gin and tonic. She would be a really great person to sit at my bedside and hold my hand and have a chat.
3: Or not hold my hand. I don't imagine Tilda being particularly touchy. But there's like a really beautiful kind of um, origin story to that, I guess, in Mm. that profile of her being in this kind of like, Not kind of, like being in a queer community in the late 80s and early 90s and going to something like 43 funerals in a year of just her community dying of AIDS and being the person who was like at the bedsides and caring for everybody. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah.
2: And something a bit more fun to link to is i put together a uh full spotify playlist of every song that appears on the souvenir part one and part two hog hive yeah like i didn't just cut and paste off imdb right. i wrote down every single title while i was watching the we film shazamming I could, I could, no, as a film festival programmer, I would not do that in a cinema. Thank you very much. Sorry, I'm not trying to get you fired. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I took my copious notes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: It's a great playlist. I started listening to it today, <laughs> starting with the Nico song that marks Julie's return oh, to, to, to her Gorge. apartment in the
1: souvenir. Park.
3: behavior of like mining real life for for dramatized stories which is what we're doing right now this is my segue (laughs) am I good at it (laughs) there's been this kind of um I need to talk to you about Pam and Tommy um and I'll keep it pretty brief because I don't know how to feel about it and I think this is um you know let's encourage not having like a resolved final kind of concrete point of view but also like how the fuck am I supposed to feel about this show that I find quite interesting and stylish and like well made and well written which was made without which was all about kind of a woman being taken advantage of by specific people but also the culture Pamela Anderson in the early 90s when her sex tape with Tommy Lee was stolen and released without her consent and then this show about that was made without her consent either kind of implicit or like exp- like she kind of actively did not want this show to be made hmm. and so watching it each week which I have to say I'm doing maybe that makes me a bad consumer or a bad feminist or a bad person but it's it's a really like muddy gray area that I'm not quite sure how to kind of climb my way out of
2: I feel like I'm, I'm not up on this mm. I mean I know the sex tape I haven't seen it yeah but I um so I I didn't know the kind of like
3: the the origin story of the sex tape I just feel like it was I was born in 1990 so my entire life I just knew that Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee Jones had sex on camera and everybody saw it like that was kind of what Mm. I understood to be the case and
2: I was born in 1980 so I would have been like the ripe age for when it came out yeah um probably like a little too I don't I don't remember when it came out but I remember it being like salacious news. Like not just National Enquirer stuff, like big news. Yes. But I know Pammy from Baywatch. You know, like that is my golden And being
3: vegan. Is she? Isn't she a famous vegan? Oh, maybe. I think she is. Anyway, now friends slash lovers with Julian Assange, not sure which, but (laughs) you know, a supporter. Anyway, complicated. he's, He's having kids. He's got kids with his lawyer. Wasn't she, she was visiting him. Oh, gosh. She was publicly supportive of him. Anyway, <laughs> hmm. I should have researched this more because maybe I've got it all wrong. <laughs> but the story behind the sex tape is that um, when they got married and moved into this mansion, they had a construction crew there. One member of the construction crew who in the show is played by Seth Rogen. Um, what? <laughs> yes. He plays this kind of comic. So this is dr- a dramatized. A dramatized <gasps> oh. version of the real life It's, it's a dramatized version of a Rolling Stone article about what happened. Mm -hmm. And he, the (laughs) Seth, the Seth Rogen character, haven't we endured enough? (laughs) The Seth Rogen character is uh, very much made to be a, your kind of entryway into this world of like Hollywood excess and taking advantage of people and ripping off the little guy. He's framed as this kind of new age, spiritual he's reading books on like buddhism and eastern religions and all this kind of thing so the idea that tommy lee jones did not pay him for the work he did as a carpenter in his house he had this like karmic response to that by going in in the middle of the night and stealing the safe that housed weapons money jewelry jewelry the white bikini that Pamela Anderson got married in mm-hmm. and this little high eight tape, which when he played it had all the footage of them, mm. you know, on their honeymoon and on vacation and so- whatever else was mm. on the tape. And a big part of it, which is probably also why the re- the reason why like a teenager, the prime age to watch something like that didn't see it is that it was like kind of the first internet sex tape. And so it took 2 years for like quite a lot of people in mm-hmm. the world to see it because access to the internet was so limited. There is a very funny scene of Pamela and Tommy in disguise going into like the local library to access dial-up internet to see the tape because they don't understand how to get on the internet otherwise. Who plays her? Lily James. Oh. Who in my head is Emily in Paris but isn't. And then Sebastian Stan from superhero movies, he plays Tommy Lee okay his big penis is voiced by jason oh, sorry, what? <laughs> and nick offerman plays the, oh my god the what? local like porn salesman distributor who <laughs> gets the tape like to market
2: i guess bill is this worth watching
3: I don't feel sold. Yeah, I feel like I haven't sold you on it, but I am tuning in every. Like I'm going to watch it after you after we're
2: done here tonight because it <laughs> comes out on Wednesday out. nights. Yeah. Well, I mean, I felt similarly when I was watching Inventing Anna. Um, yeah. I went to the Berlin Film Festival recently, and I got to actually be physically in another country, which is so wild. That's psycho. But I was watching. You know, you watch five films a day or so in a cinema. Crazy and. Yeah. Um, and then when I got home, uh, like, on the flight back, I just read. I read the entire time because mm-hmm. I couldn't fathom watching anything else. And then I got home and t- watched Inventing Anna, like, from start to finish immediately. Yeah. It's um, so a solid,
3: like, 14 hours of Shonda I, Rhymes. I,
2: I, I know, and TV. I didn't even
3: like it. Me neither, but I did the exact same thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, like, what... What are we doing to ourselves? Like why are we drawn to these stories that are like ripped from the headlines and yet aren't even particularly good? Yeah, Anna is a is a specifically
3: strange one because Like, it's not like we didn't... It's not like a Pamela thing where I just had to give the backstory. Like, we all remember... Oh, it happened in the 90s. There was
2: dial-up internet. It's like... (laughs) No, it happened a couple of years ago. We We all read read the the article. the Vulture story
3: in 2017 or whenever it was when it came out um, and followed the process of, like, Hmm. Julia Garner being cast, etc. Anna is a mystery to me because also it was not a good show. It was, like... It was the same author, Jessica Pressler, who wrote that article who wrote the Hustlers, the, the article that turned into the movie Hustlers. And it really, before I knew that I was watching it being like, this is like, if they made the Julia Stiles character in Hustlers, the star of, hustlers
2: it's really odd. and then of course I, I guess what is kind of interesting or maybe bad is that these shows i mean that one maybe not the pamela one so much but inventing anna is coming out at the exact same time that like it's happening so fast that the real anna and the real rachel from the show who plays like one of her friends who's scammed out of sixty two thousand dollars, yeah um are commenting on the show as if it is happening like as if it's in real time. It feels like it's all happening in real time. At this point, there's no perspective. So there's no kind of offering of there's this just constant. odd. like there's the tonal shift is either not big enough or so big that I can't get a handle on what the show is.
3: Yeah. It's like they couldn't decide if Anna was a bad person for what she did or if she was actually justified in scamming money from like the rich Manhattan elite mm. uh sounds like a gossip girl
2: <laughs> setting. <laughs> well, I mean a lot but, of people know, are talking about the girl bossification Yeah. For want of a better term yes. of Anna Delvey. And like Anna to
3: me, there were so many points throughout the series of watching it where I just have the feeling that like Anna in real life had just followed too many inspirational girl boss Instagram accounts that told her that the reasons that people didn't want to give you millions of dollars was because you're a woman or like that you could do anything
2: because you're a woman and she took it just a bit too far <laughs> yeah yeah I was watching that as she was saying that until i like bankers trying to get 40 million dollars yeah um to start a foundation. what you'll be saying this if I came in here in a suit <laughs> was that good That was pretty good but, like, I did – I watched the whole goddamn thing. Mm. Juliet Garner I really like. I loved yeah. her in Martha Marcy May Marlene.
3: Loved her in that. Loved her in Electric with a K oh, children. Yes.
2: And Grandma with Lily Tomlin. Oh, I never saw Grandma. Oh, it's good. It's like Lily Tomlin is driving her cross country to get an abortion. To get an abortion. And yeah. it's like a funny – you know, it's a funny film. Yeah, Funny abortion film um, where Lily Tomlin is just sort of – at her best, Lily Tomlining. Yeah, she is Lily Tomlining it. Yeah, up. so she's very good. Anna Chlumsky. I can Chlumsky? Chlumsky? Anna Chlumsky. It's, it's a mouthful. Chlumsky Veda Saltanfors. Veda Saltanfors is really great in it. I mean, she's overacting, but the that's m- what the show is. The moment for. when
3: she. Is going into labor and her water breaks as she's on the phone to Laverne Cox, getting like a clincher for her story, being like, can we refer to you by name? You can refer to me as the train, the celebrity trainer. And then she hangs up and everyone in the magazine office cheers and her <laughs> water breaks. I was like,
2: this show is great question mark <laughs> it feels like everyone's a, an extra on the bold type like <laughs> yeah. that, that's kind of what the whole show feels and I for one you know I really enjoyed the bold type I, I miss it I watch a lot of films you know a lot of documentaries a lot of serious content a lot of very serious content for a living and I really you know desire really c-grade content you need sometimes. to go into the
3: fashion closet with the
2: girls I truly do one thing from um the the ball type that we have messaged about many a time not saying that you like the ball type brody i won't bring you into my mess is that one of the main characters like jane jane um in like the last episode of the finale of the show you saw this to-do list that she She had. And I think I took a screenshot and immediately sent it to you. Yeah, Um, It's like all the things that she has to do in her life. It's like her bucket list. And one of them is learn to cook pad thai. Learn to make pad thai. Mm -hmm. But
3: another one is become (laughs) (laughs) editor-in-chief. And she crosses that off first
2: somehow. It's really like, it's the most wild to-do list. Like it's sort of the to-do list if you are writing... Get up and like have a shower, just so you have something to cross off. Yeah. <laughs> um, learn to make pad Thai. Anyway, I send it to you, Brody, because you're a big to-do list spreadsheet queen slash whiz. If something's not written down with a little checkbox
3: next to it, it it's, it doesn't exist to me, and it's never going to get done. I've recently tried to um to transfer my my lists and my goal setting the word goal setting to (laughs) notion an app that I have heard a lot about and seen a lot of like the girls on the internet who are um hell-bent on like optimizing their everyday Mm -hmm. use notion I don't think I'm going to use notion but what I am doing is I started a spreadsheet this year that I'm not calling it a habit tracker because again Mm -hmm. those are very that girl on the internet um and I'm not saying this in like a massage I think you're way seeing
2: other girls on the internet that I'm seeing are getting different algorithms.
3: Yeah. The TikTok algorithm serves me a lot of like very thin, beautiful girls who all live in the same apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they want to put something on the wall, they look up like wall art, you know, like mm-hmm. that's the vibe. Um, this really sounds like I'm being such a bitch, but I, I guess I am. They wear, like, matching... That's what a podcast's for. A- ...athleisure sets. This is my platform to be an absolute <laughs> cunt. Um, you know, they go for a run in the morning. They always stretch after a run. They never don't stretch. Of
2: course. There's never As a- if you wouldn't.
3: There's never anything on their countertops. You're in my apartment. There's a lot of stuff on my countertops. Um, they sit down and tap, tap, tap away check everything off their list and Mm -hmm. then at night like they they get up and journal like that's the vibe get up and 10 minutes
2: of journal every morning oh morning what do they call what's that artist way thing morning oh morning pages morning pages
3: yes so anyway that was just a big detour for me to say this is not a habit tracker okay but it is this way of kind of holding myself accountable and seeing I guess seeing patterns in my behavior because in the last couple of years of pandemic life um like there have been a bunch of things that i wanted to do like write a novel um that's about it but also like you know i'm gonna start doing ten thousand steps every day no matter what i'm gonna stop smoking ciggies i'm gonna stop buying needless like enormous quantities of skincare and makeup products without using what i already have in my house Et cetera, et cetera. Save my money. Invest my money, maybe. Stop looking at my phone all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Make sure I go to bed every night with my apartment clean, just like a reset every night. And I know that these things are good for me and I know they make me feel good and I don't do them.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah. They're boring. They're
3: boring. And I'm not that person, but I want to be that person because on the days that I look at my phone less, my house is clean and I exercise and all these things... When all the things happen mm. is when I feel my bed. Like it's a fucking annoying that it works,
2: mm-hmm. you know. Oh, I get it. Like when I was in hotel quarantine a couple of years ago now, wild, mm. I started doing one of those little graphs where I'd be like, you know, yoga and talking on the phone and yeah. like glass of water, you know, and you t- yeah, yeah. fill it in. And it was really amazing while I was in hotel quarantine yeah. because I was really thinking about that and I was stuck in one room. But get me out of the hotel – You want to go to the pub. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Like I stopped doing all that. And every so often I'll start it again. Like I'll try to do it again. um, But it never sticks. The girls call that a reset. Yeah, well, I'm constantly resetting. Yeah,
3: isn't every day a reset? So Mm -hmm. anyway, I don't like the idea of goals. If you ask me what I want to do in five years, I can't tell you. Um, et cetera, et cetera. That but, was my
2: next question.
3: <laughs> this is not girl bossing, but it is my spreadsheet <laughs> is called 2022 goals mm-hmm. and my columns track my screen time, my spending planned and unplanned. Siggy's smoked products finished. Uh, and then under culture, this is all in the consumption, um, sec- section PS under culture. I have movies. That's a new movie that I've never seen before. And then books, um, so I can see, you know, because there are times in the last couple of years where I would read like three books by March. And then the next time I finished a book was like June.
2: Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. So
3: I just like seeing how many nights in a row I have not picked up a book. Anyway, it's keeping me accountable. Hey, and So
2: you do this every day. You're like. Every day. <laughs> wow.
3: But anyway, I do this thing called night shift, which is where there's no dishes in my sink. Stuff's in the dishwasher. The counters are cleared. Yeah,
2: I love night shift.
3: Night shift. I've been trying to do night shift. I started calling it night shift when a friend of mine said, it's like, you know, when you work a hospo job, you have to make sure the person coming in in the morning has a clean slate, mm-hmm. but the person coming in is you.
2: Yeah, and if you haven't done it, I guess that's what goblin mode is. Yeah. <laughs> is that the new thing?
3: <laughs> God, the vibe shift and the goblin mode. I don't care. <laughs> want to know. I will read all about it. I have a column for words written. Uh, on my novel. Mm-hmm. It's at 0 for the year. <laughs> okay. But if you're wondering about um time spent on my phone, uh simply s- 14 to 17,000 minutes a month.
2: Oh my god, you're doing it in minutes. I have to do it in minutes <laughs> so that so I can so that I can yourself. put it into a graph. <laughs> oh my
3: gosh. Anyway, wow. okay. yeah, I don't,
2: I mean, today I literally made a to-do list and the first two things I wrote down, I had already done, so I crossed the them off. That's the only way to do a to-do list, and babe. And I felt like, wow, I'm really getting through this day. You were getting
3: through it. <laughs> I also had a column for podcast because this was a creative mm-hmm. project, like writing a novel. And I decided last week, I was like, no, this is not something that I need to like measure up against my... Good habits. This is like a thing external to those. It's art.
2: It's
3: art. Uh, So we naturally kind of go on uh, multiple tangents with everything that we talk about, to put it mildly. But at the end of every episode, we're also going to just chat through really rapid fire things we've been enjoying at the moment. I say rapid fire, but. Let's be honest. We'll go into some detail here as well. Um, And these aren't just sea orsos. So we're calling them also orsos.
2: My first one is a drink also. It's Tina. It's a little zingy, non-alcoholic situation in a can. It's got an oolong tea base with some botanicals mm. on top. It's a kind of thing that if you're not really drinking a lot at the moment, or you don't drink at all, like alcohol at all, and you're kind of sick of all of the heavy-ish non-alcoholic beers that are around, which are really great, mm-hmm. but this is a pretty good alternative. Um, and it's made by two women. They're cousins. One is from Sydney. One is from Melbourne. Is it like kombuchery? It's like Mm, mm, I mean, it could be in the same menu, I uh-huh. would say, but less, uh, funky, less funky, less orangey. That sounds great. Cause I have
3: learned recently, I hate funky drinks.
2: I love them. What have you got against funk? Well,
3: my first drink also maybe answers that question because <laughs> it's vanilla Coke. Uh, I'm a vanilla gal, I guess. And I'm just going back to basics with, uh, Yeah a bit of VC. I also just started following this woman on TikTok who um, films herself every day when she goes to Walgreens to buy vanilla Coke. And she just puts her phone on the counter, films her outfit, and then just records her conversation with the cashier as she buys her vanilla Coke for the day. (laughs) That sounds addictive.
2: Yeah. Her name's Gwen. I'll put her at in the episode notes. (laughs) Great. Um, I've got a listen also, which is also kind of a daily thing to radio show on NTS Live by a woman named Zakia. She's based in London and she plays like celestial sounds, spiritual jazz, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But I tend to listen to her vast back catalogue of weekly Saturday shows every single day while I work. Is she good background music or does she talk a lot? She talks every so often. Yeah, but she's got one of those like lilting London accents, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's fine when she breaks mind. on in.
3: My second one is I don't know if it's do also or join also because it's flybys. I have been spooking flybys so hard recently that someone recently asked me if they were paying me to be like guerrilla marketing for them. They're not, but I am getting a lot of points because I am using. It's like there's this website called Points Hacks, and it's all about like getting the best status on airlines and getting free airline seats next time with all your points. Oh, I know it. You know it well. I'm that, but flybys. (laughs) I, my goal is to get a million flybys points in a promotion, not because I'm going to spend a million dollars so that I can get a free business class flight to
2: Paris. That's my goal at the moment. It's a very um, punch drunk love goal as well. Like what if Francis Ha had flybys, you know? What if? (laughs) I guess we'll have to see
3: that movie. (laughs) My third one, I've got a listen. Also, it is the new remix of the Spiller song "Groovejet" brackets if this ain't love, featuring Sophia Spexter, by friend of the show Harvey Sutherland, who wrote our beautiful theme music. And when this track came out, I learned that Groovejet was the name of the song and not the artist. I didn't know that either. Which, for the past 20, I guess, years, yeah. I thought Groovejet was uh, a singer.
2: <laughs> I did too. I thought it was like Groovejet, the person featuring also person Sophia LaSpexter. That Sophia LaSpexter sound is so groovy that this song is literally
3: called Groovejet. <laughs>
2: Um, Well, my last one is a give also because it feels kind of weird to be releasing this very cheery little podcast Mm. in the midst of, you know, war breaking out in Ukraine and um, close to home, torrential flooding in my beloved northern rivers. And a lot of people have come together, but a lot of people are asking for just money and um, donation cards because it's so difficult to store anything. Um, in the rains and there are so few volunteers to actually collate everything Mm -hmm. where it's needed Um, so in the show notes I'm going to add a few good places if you can donate cash or those um, cards. Gift cards if we learn anything from Bethany Frankel
3: it's that in times of disaster people need funds and gift cards are the
2: way to do it and also not to invite Dorinda Medley that's kind of a life lesson for all of us (laughs) thanks so much for listening to
3: our first episode of see also as a special treat for launch week we've got a second episode ready in your feed so check back for more from us honestly um but after that we'll be back fortnightly with more pop culture wormholes
2: to add to your cart or at least open in a new tab and in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram at See Also Podcast. And we're both uh, very online kind of people. Uh, there's at Brody Lancaster and at Gay Jinx on the socials. And thanks
3: so much to Samuel Hodge for our imagery and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music and also for helping us to produce our debut episode.
1: Planning for your next trip?